Welcome to Real Life at the Ridge, the preaching ministry of Chestnut Ridge Church. Good morning. If you don't know me, I'm Dale. I'm Dale Lawing. Um, go to church here and find it quite a privilege to get an opportunity to speak. So I appreciate that opportunity. First of all, I want to go to the Lord in prayer. There's several that we need to be praying for. Chris, uh, Greg's brother, Greg, Chris Neely. I'm thinking he's home. Is that right? Did he come home with oxygen? Um, Gene Land, who... I've known ever since I was a little boy, I think. Uh, he's he's uh, uh, COVID with pneumonia. Um, Stephanie Chambers is uh, in the hospital with COVID. How, how many, does anybody here have a prayer request for anybody that's sick? There's a lot of folks that's sick. We also want to pray for our community, for, our, for all of our churches that... Um, I don't know if they're meeting inside, outside. This is some of the reason we're meeting outside, other than the fact that it's just beautiful out here. Secondly, this COVID thing is kind of getting kind of crazy. So, you know, we want to think about people's health. But we also want to remember our country. We want to remember Afghanistan. We want to remember all the folks that, that are struggling over there right now. And there are many. So please put that on your prayer list. Also want you to remember that at 5 o'clock, today at five o'clock at North Elementary, it is North Elementary Prayer Walk. Chestnut Ridge is sponsoring North Elementary and a prayer walk today at five o'clock. Everybody hold up five. You got it? Now, there's some people only held up two. Well, you only got two fingers. I'm sorry. <laughs> five o'clock today at North Elementary Prayer Walk. Chestnut Ridge is sponsoring them. So you be there. Let's pray together. You're an awesome God. And you're worthy to be praised today. We're talking about what we believe today, Lord. And I ask, Father, that you would hide me behind your cross, that Jesus might be high and lifted up in this place. I thank you for an opportunity to meet outside, to see the miracle that you created just for us. Father, I, each name that we've mentioned, every hand that was raised, I pray, Father, for that prayer request. I pray for healing. I, I pray, Father, for comfort. I pray for peace. I pray for everything that's needed in every one of our situations this morning because I believe that you tell us the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man or woman availeth much. And it takes faith to believe that. And in that... We want to believe. 
And Father, as we talk about what we believe this morning, I pray that you would open up our hearts and help us to understand exactly what we do believe and why we believe it. And that's as important as why what we believe is why we believe it and can we defend what we believe. So Father, I pray as we talk about you, that you would come, you would invade our lives, that you would invade our hearts this morning. Teach us, Lord, from your word. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Do you know what you believe? Have you thought about what you believe? Do you know why you believe what you believe? You see, it takes faith to believe in God. It takes faith. Do you know what faith is? You're right. It's right here in His Word. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Do you get that? That's what faith is. Something that we can't see. Something that we hope for. And we have to have faith to believe that it's real. Do you know what you believe? Do you know why you believe it? See, that's an important question this morning for all of us because some of us believe what our mama told us. Some of us believe what our daddy told us. Some of us believe what our teachers told us. And some of us believe stuff that we don't know where we got it. It's the truth, isn't it? You know, I was standing back there with Zach a little earlier looking into the face of Sophia and those beautiful eyes. That's a beautiful baby. Girl, you did good. <laughs> but I think about how innocent she is. The purity of looking into a baby's eyes. The integrity see, she knows, she knows no sin. She's never done anything wrong. Because you have to know the difference between right and wrong. And you think, as you look in those eyes, you can see a picture of God. To know a perfect human being is a baby. That's the only time we're perfect. It's when we look deep in those eyes and we see God. You know, as I was coming up in church, and, and possibly you were like this too, and this is a confession, and I wouldn't hurt anybody's feelings in here. You'd be sitting there in church, and you'd be singing, or you'd be, you'd be listening to your pastor, and all of a sudden this baby, she just starts, he just starts wailing, just crying, and you're going, will you get that kid out of here? Y'all like that? Y'all were, wasn't you? Just like me, you're thinking... Golly, what would can you take it to the nursery? Would you just take it to the nursery? And they're just screaming their heads off. You see, it's a it's an awesome opportunity to have our kids in our service. But see, I wanted what I wanted. And I remember when Grace and my granddaughter, who is 14 now, she was just like Sophia. Jake brought her, they live in Alabama. My grandkids live in Alabama with their parents, of course. But they, Jake brought Grayson when she was just little. 
And we were at Bethlehem, big church. And we were sitting there and all of a sudden Grayson started screaming and yelling and raising sand. And I thought, ain't that the cutest thing? <laughs> that is awesome. That's my granddaughter. You know, somebody over there said, well, you take that kid to the nursery? Hey, that's my, hey. <laughs> you know, that's, that's perspective, isn't it? That's how we change our perspective is how we feel about things, how we, how we recognize things in us. It's all about perspective. And that's how quickly perspective changes as to how it affects us. What we think is cute. I'll guarantee you there's not a grandparent in here that cares that their grandbaby's crying. That's a good thing about that is we get to go home. <laughs> that's a good thing. But that's, that's when we think about who we are and what we believe. That's, that's how we come to these conclusions is how our perspective is attached or associated with whatever's happening. You know, when we were growing up, you'd hear, don't touch that. Don't, that's hot. That's hot. Don't touch that stove. That's hot. Okay. And then you go back in there and touch it. Ah, God, I told you not to touch that. Don't get too close to the edge. Don't, come over here. Come, come, come over here. Don't get too close to that edge. All of us have done it. We test our boundaries, don't we? We want to know how far we can go. We want to know how close to that edge we can get without falling off or it's scaring the fire out of us. How many times have you been to a Mexican restaurant and they come out with fire suit on with mittens and they put your plate on the table and say, I plate, I plate. What's the first thing you do? <laughs> That's hot. We all do it. We test our limits. We test our boundaries. You see, that's the story of Adam and Eve. We're just like them. Don't think that they brought anything on us. We'd have done it. I want to read to you, if you will, turn in your Bibles. Genesis 3. First book in the Bible, three chapters over. Genesis 3. I'm reading from the New American Standard Bible. So if yours don't quite match up to mine, that's all right. Just be close. Starting in verse 1, it says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Do you get that first part? The serpent, the most crafty, the most crafty beast of the field which the Lord God had made and he said to the woman indeed has God said you shall not eat from any tree of the garden so he turned it around just a little bit father of lies the woman said to the serpent from the, from the fruit of the trees of the garden we may eat so she heard the instructions but from the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat from it or touch it or you will die. The serpent said to the woman, Here's the lie. You shall not surely die. 
For God knows that in the day you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. You hear the lie? He contradicted God. The father of the truth. The father of lies. And who did she believe? You see, we believe that same old lie. That same old lie that he's been telling us all these years. We still believe that lie. After all these years. After all these consequences. After all the things that we've been through. We still believe that lie. We know what Adam and Eve did. They invited sin into our world. But don't blame it on them because if they hadn't have done it, I would have. I know me. And you know that you would have too. Because we listen to that contradiction. We listen to that same old lie every day when God's Word says, don't touch that. That'll hurt you. Don't do that. That'll ruin your life. Don't go over there. You don't need to be over there. That'll ruin everything that you've got. And what do we do? And all of us do it. We struggle with it. We struggle with it and think, oh, it won't really hurt me. Same old lie, isn't it? Same old lie the enemy told to Adam and Eve. You shall not surely die. But God has told us there's consequences for sin. And we continue to dabble in it. And we know what they did. They went to that tree and they eat of that fruit. Two chapters, three chapters over in chapter 6. In verse 5. Let's go over a couple pages to chapter 6. Verse 5. Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth and that every intent of their of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. You see, I don't know how many years that was, but I know how many chapters it was. In three chapters, what they did in the garden, every intent of their heart was continually evil. That's how sin takes over our lives. The Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth and he was grieved in his heart. Can you imagine that God who created us for fellowship and to love us and to take care of us, he, he created us to be perfect in a perfect place where we could live and walk and talk with Him was grieved that He made us. That kind of hurts your heart, don't it? And then we wonder how we got to where we are today. How things have changed so much in our world. And how we have polluted this world. Don't wonder about things like Afghanistan. Don't worry about things like our government, how corrupt it is. Because that is the intent of the heart of man. We are thinking continually evil things. Because that's who we are. To fast forward. To fast forward through the Bible. We know that God made Leviticus, he, he made a law. He made a book of laws for us to live by. And he said, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, knowing that we were going to do it anyway. 
He said, on one day of the year, the Day of Atonement, I want you to bring your very best, your very best lamb, your very best calf, your very best animal. And I want you to sacrifice it on the altar, shed its blood as satisfaction, as payment for your sin. And I will see that sacrifice and I'll forgive you of your sin. That didn't work. You see, we started looking in our field and we started seeing, well, I could take that one. That, that, that was not a good one anyway. I, I'll take that one over there. You see, our sacrifice was not valuable enough for the forgiveness of our sin. What he asked for was our very best, which he asked for continually today is our very best. And to fast forward on through, we get to where God would not accept our sacrifices for the forgiveness of our sin, and he knew according to his plan that he was going to have to send the most precious thing in all creation, which was his son, for the forgiveness of our sin. He knew that. He knew from the time that He created us that He was going to have to make the sacrifice. That He was going, it was going to have to be valuable enough for Him to accept it for the payment of man's sin, which is many. He knew He was going to have to do that. We know that He destroyed the world you know, one of the things that I, I think about in chapter 7 of Genesis, it says, and the, he closed the door behind him. And we essentially had to start over. But sin had already been breached. And we are born into sin. We are born with that nature to sin, to question, to push the edge, push the envelope, to get everything that we can out of it, out of it, and we will pay for our sin just like Adam and Eve did, because that's the nature of the beast. So let me ask you: What will convince all of us as sinful human beings? What will convince us to change our minds? Just like Grayson crying changed my mind about children crying in church. Something that simple. What will change our minds to know that, that God did that for us? I'm trying to get over here one-handed. To Mark, go with me if you will to Mark 9. Mark 9, we're going to read 14 through 24. I want to see you, I want to show you a story, and I love these stories of Jesus. Starting with verse 14. And when they came back to the disciples, they saw a large crowd around them, and some scribes arguing with them. Immediately when the entire crowd saw them, they were amazed and began running up to greet him, him being Jesus. And he said to them, what are, y all what are you discussing with them? You notice I threw that y'all in there? That's because we're in the south. What are y'all discussing with them? And one of the crowd answered him, teacher, 
I brought you my son possessed with a spirit which makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it slams him to the ground and foams at the mouth and grinds his teeth and stiffens out. I told your disciples to cast it out and they could not do it. And he said to them, and he answered them and said, Oh, unbelieving. That's an important word. Oh, unbelieving generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I, shall I put up with you? Bring him to me. They brought the boy to him. When, when he saw him, immediately. When you read that word in the Bible, you know it just happened. Immediately. And that word immediately is in the Bible many times. Immediately. The spirit threw him into a convulsion, falling to the ground. He began rolling around and foaming at the mouth. And he... He asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. It has often thrown him both into the fire and to the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, I'm going to read that again. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, will you read it with me? If you can. Jesus asked him the question to the man. If you can. If you can. All things are possible to him who believes. Immediately the boy's father cried out and said. I do believe. Help my unbelief. Help my unbelief. He's standing there looking at Jesus. He's brought his son to have a demon cast out of him. And he says, if you can do anything. I love his stories of Jesus. And I think Jesus was, was somebody that liked to put it back on you. If you can. You don't, you don't believe I can. To him who believes, everything's possible. You see, that's the key is believing. That's why I read you the, 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 the scripture, the Hebrews 11.1. 1. Faith is believing in something we cannot see. It's something that things we see we know. Do you believe God can? We had prayer before we started this. Do you think God's a healing God? You see, these people had seen Jesus raise people from the dead, cause blind eyes to see, hearing restored. But when it comes down to you, if you can, if you can, help Him. You see, it's important for us to understand that when we approach God in prayer, we need to believe He can. You see, it's a change of our perspective. And the closer that perspective gets to us, the more we shrink to it. Because can He do that for me? Now I saw Him do that for these, but can He do that for me? Yes, we can. Yes, He can. If we believe. If we believe, all things are possible, it says. You see, these stories about Jesus 
He's talking to us, us unbelieving generation. I see it all the time. What's happened to the church? The church has gone away. I'm looking at the church. What are we going to do with our title? Christian. You see, that Christian means little Christ. That's who we are. We are Him with skin on. We continue to be His hands, His feet here in this unbelieving generation. Everything is possible. And understand the word immediately. When you pray for rain, you better have an umbrella. Because it's going to rain. Do you believe that? Right now I'm praying it don't rain. Thank you. So, what would convince you that God can do anything? What miracle would it take in your life like your son rolling around in a fire or foaming at the mouth? You see somebody that you love as much as y'all love Sophia. You see your child rolling around on the ground. What would make you believe that He is Lord? That He is God? Healing? You see, we see miracles every day, but we don't look at them as miracles. Would, would raising somebody from the dead cause you to believe that Jesus is Lord? Probably most of you in here have seen that. I'm looking at one right here, my wife Peggy. They told me she wouldn't live. That's my girl. I've been by the bedside of I can't tell you how many and held their hands and prayed for them and watched them walk out of the hospital. You see, God does these because we believe He can. Is that what it takes to convince us that He is Lord? Because it's, it's going to be something personal. Because we see... The winter changed to spring every year. We're expecting it. And all the new life. We don't see it as a miracle. We see it as something that we know it's going to happen. But yet it is a miracle because God causes it to happen. He created it that way. That's who He is. To see sickness leave a body, that's a miracle. How many in here has been sick? I'm, not, I'm looking at every one of us. We've had ailments. And because of that sin that we've invited into our world, we're going to continue to get sick. We're going to continue to have heartache. We're going to continue to have pain. See, that's what sin brings into the world. We're all going to get old and die one of these days. I've done the numbers. The statistics prove we're not going to get out of this life alive. Unless the Savior splits that eastern sky one day and takes us home. That gave me cold chills. One day, you see, we've been hearing that our whole life. One day he's coming back for us. My mama told me back when I was in my early 50s, I believe, she said, your generation will see Jesus come back. I said, I hope so, mama. I hope so. But you know, he's not back yet. Are we hanging on to that hope? Do, believe, do we believe it's going to happen? You know, if you read First and Second Peter, you'll see that there's scoffers walking, 
walking after their own lust, saying, where is the promise of His coming? I've heard this from the, ever since the fathers. And I have too. But one day, He's coming back. What will you believe? Do you believe He's coming back? You see, the things that we have to fashion into our belief system is this word. We need to know it well enough to know that we can believe in Him. Let me get back to the faith of a child. Do you remember back when we were children? You see, when I got up, there's, there's five of us wonderful kids in the law and family. Mom and Dad worked in textiles. You know, there were Christmases that we didn't get anything for Christmas. We got a bag of fruit in the church. But when I got up, I didn't worry about eating because Mama had something for us to eat. I didn't worry about clothes. You see, I got two pair of blue jeans in August every year and, and a couple shirts and a new pair of shoes. And that was going to take me through the school year. So you started out with real baggy clothes. And by the end of the year, the clothes fit. <laughs> you grew into them. By the end of the school year, my, my jeans always had holes in them. I can remember being ashamed of my clothes because they were, they were old and I wore them every day. And I had holes in them. And my mama would take, would take patches and she'd sew them on my knees. You see, they buy jeans like that now. I'm looking at something right here. God love you. I'll get you some jeans. <laughs> They buy them like that. And I remember when I was so ashamed. And my mama would, would iron those patches on there. And she'd take th needle and thread and she'd, she'd stitch around them so they wouldn't roll up. And we finished the school year like that. And when the school year was over, they cut them off and we had two pairs of shorts the whole summer. You see how it just continues. <laughs> but I didn't worry about it. I trusted my mom and dad to take care of me. I trusted them. You see, I never had to buy a pair of jeans, not till I was old enough to work. I never bought a shirt. I never bought a meal until I was old enough to do that for myself. You see, it's important for us to understand we are being taken care of. God loves us. Do you believe that? Do you believe who He is? You see, it's, it's important for us to recognize what we believe. And can you defend what you believe? That's exactly how God wants us to look at Him as our provider, our healer, our maker. He's our everything. That makes Him Lord of our lives. We get up in the morning and say, Good morning, Lord. What can I do for you today? That's the kind of God He wants to be to us. You see, it takes childlike faith. You remember me talking about Sophia and looking in her, into her eyes. She, she didn't think I would hurt her because she was in her daddy's arms. And her daddy is going to take care of her. If I would have threatened her in any way, I ain't messing with Zay. You see, she's got complete trust. And that's the way God wants us to look at Him with complete trust trust it takes childlike faith 
to follow Christ in the way he wants us to. If you would flip over just a couple pages to Mark 10, starting with verse 13. And they were bringing children to Jesus so that he might touch them, but the disciples rebuked them. But when Jesus saw this, he was indignant. Jesus was mad that the disciples were stopping people from bringing children to him. Jesus was indignant and said to them, Permit the children to come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child will not enter it at all. Did you hear me? Without childlike faith, without believing in God for who He is as a child, without reservation, knowing that He's going to take care of, He's going to buy our genes. He's going to buy our meals. He is going to take care of us. And without understanding anything other than childlike faith, Christ says that you will not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Who's the biggest person in your life? Who's the person that you believe more than anything else in this world? What will it take to change that perspective for you? That Christ is Lord. That He is everything. That He is the one that we can depend on for every need in our lives. That's who He is. He continues to love us even though we continue to live the life we live. I think that's amazing. A God that sent His Son to sacrifice His blood for the payment of my sin has always amazed me and astounded me that He could love me that much. But not only that, does He love me that much, He tells me in John 10.10, 10, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Why do we listen to Him? Why do we listen to Him? When he says, you will not surely die. If you don't know the consequences of sin yet, you will. Because we pay for our sin. We reap what we sow. It's all right here. You see, the point of it all is that God wants us to believe him. He wants us to believe him. That's why I ask, what do we believe this morning? Do we believe Him just so far, just so far in life and say, I got it past here? Or do we say, we've got it up to here, and then if I need you, I'll call you? I find that true in a lot of, in a lot of homes today. I got this. I'm good. Until you get sick, your wife gets sick, your mama gets sick, and then you go that extra step and say, I need you. See, that's, that's what... That's what I would say 80% of people do. When He should be our first response. He should be our first call. I need you to help me with this. I need, to help. I need your help in school tomorrow. I need your help at work tomorrow. Because that's who He is. He wants to walk with you and talk with you just as He did Adam and Eve in the garden. He wants to be a part of your life. Can you tell me when you acknowledge Christ as Lord of your life? You see, some of us don't know a date. 
Ruth Graham said that she didn't know when she actually acknowledged Christ as Lord of her life. That as far as she knew, He had always been Lord of her life. Dr. James Dobson, renowned Christian psychologist, said, I gave my life to Christ when I was three years old. He said, I remember. For me, it was almost 22 when I acknowledged Christ as Lord of my life. He's Lord. Do you know that date? you know that time? You should know the era, E-R-A, era of your, work, of your life when you acknowledge Christ. And if you don't, you need to think about that. You need to think about what do I believe? What would people say that you believe by watching your life? What would they say that, that you believe? Is He master of your life? Can you hear Jesus say, if I can? If I can? Do you believe He can? What would convince you that He can? Just that next breath of air should tell you that He can because all things are possible with God. You see, you can't change where you are in life. But Christ can change life where you are. Let me say that again. You can't change where you are in life. But Christ can change life where you are. Do you believe that? Thank you for listening today. Pastor Greg wants to share with you how the gospel changed his life and how it can change yours too. You know, Tim, it was the gospel that saved me. I'll never forget when Ray Elder came into my life, uh, God put him there and he shared the truth of the gospel with me, that I was a sinner, that Christ died for my sins, and that if I would accept him as the Lord of my life and follow him, that he would change my life. And that's exactly what he's done. I wonder if that's something that you would like to do today, that you would today before God just admit, you know, God, I'm a sinner, I'm lost, and I need you. And God, I believe that Christ died on the cross for me, and I want to accept his payment today for, for my sins, and I want to live for him from this point forward. If you pray that prayer today, we want to welcome you into the family of God. We also want to encourage you to contact us. You'll find a link below where you can reach us, and so we look forward to hearing from you. so much that he gave his son for us. Amen. God bless you guys.